Hey everyone, and welcome to the Bible Breakdown Podcast. In this podcast, we will be breaking down the Bible one chapter a day. Whether you are a new believer or have been following Christ for a while, we believe that you will learn something new and fresh every single day. So thank you for joining us, and let's get into breaking down the Bible together. Well, hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Bible Breakdown Podcast with your host, Pastor Brandon. Today, Judges chapter 3, and this one, come on now, we're going to call this the left-handed ninja, all right? Now, out of all the books or all the chapters in the book of Judges, this one's, okay, no, they're all crazy, okay? And we're going to have a lot of fun with this one today. We're going to talk about the left-handed ninja, an army of left-handed ninjas. Just just trust me, this is going to be interesting. But before we do that, as always, if you like what we're doing here, make sure you like, share, and subscribe to the YouTube channel on the road to 1,000. We're going to get there with your help. Thank you so much for that. Also, on the podcast, you are my favorites. Make sure you are leaving us a five-star review as well as we are just getting ready to dive into God's Word. Also, don't forget two things. Number one, go to the Facebook group at Bible Breakdown Discussion. We're doing some devotions there that is out of this world. And go to my blog, brandoncannon.com, and I want to send you a free email every week that is what I call just a Bible Breakdown Recap, where I just wrap up my favorite devotion of the week, just some resources that I'm constantly finding that I want to share with you, just give you different information. Because, man, the more we dig, the more we find. Now, if you haven't been with us in a while or you're new to this, the goal of the Bible Breakdown podcast and YouTube channel is I like to see myself as a, just a, a tour guide, just a, a fellow traveler through God's Word, and we're just reading God's Word and just unashamedly just enjoying and gushing over the Bible, just having a good time. Well, one of the things that we come across if we read the Bible together are stories that not everybody knows, stories that are interesting and very different, which, by the way, if you have your Bibles, want to get them open with me to Judges chapter 3 or the New Living Translation. That's what we read out of every day because it's, it's easy to understand. There, there's, some, there's some stories in here that are really interesting, and it's important just to take a moment to realize a couple different things. First of all, the New Testament, the way it's written, it's written very straightforward for most of it. And it's, it's written to apply to your life by reading, do this, don't do this. Okay. Well, a lot of the Old Testament is written for us to apply to our lives as cautionary tales. Or I want you to read this story and pull the lesson out of it, pull the principles out of this. And some are easy to tell. Some are a little bit more hidden. And so that's why when we come across some of these stories, we have to read on this and think on this for really able to figure out what it is exactly that we can learn and grow from. And the book of Judges is no, no, difference, no different in that. Because like if, if, in my opinion, if we were to take the whole book of Judges and put it into one phrase, it would be, don't be stupid, <laughs> follow God, right? Just like a nicer way would be, don't do life your way, do life God's way. Because when we do life God's way, he's able to take the most obscure, silly thing and make it huge. If we don't do God's do life God's way, we can just mess everything up. And that's what we see is this cycle of sin of messing up good things in the book of Judges. But today we're going to see how this whole thing starts to flow over and over again together. And there's this very interesting thing that God does. And the idea of this is, is God can use anything 
when it's time to move you to the next level. So if you got your your Bibles open with me to Judges chapter 3, we're going to dive into this, and we're going to read about the left-handed ninja in just a moment. You ready? Here we go. Verse 1. These are the nations that the Lord left in the land to test those Israelites who had not experienced the wars of Canaan. He did this to teach warfare to generations of Israelites who had no experience in battle. These are the nations, the Philistines, those who live under the five Philistine rulers, which by the way, Philistines is where eventually Goliath would come from. And it was the main warring country against Israel, especially during the time of the first kings like Saul and David and Solomon, those guys, all the Canaanites, the Sidians, and the Hivites living in the mountains of Lebanon from Mount Baal Hermon to Libo Hamath. These people were left to test the Israelites to see whether they would obey the commands of the Lord had given to the ancestors through Moses. So the people of Israel lived among the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, and Jebusites, and they intermarried with them. Okay, remember that the Ites, Amorites, is Ites means people, people group. So the people of Amor, and it says they intermarried with them, which was a no-no. You're not supposed to do that. Israelite sons married their daughters, and the Israelite daughters were given in marriage to their sons, and the Israelites served their gods. That's the reason why God said don't intermarry with non-Israelites is because their religious practices and their customs will rub off on you, and I don't want you to do that. All right, here we go. Verse 7. The Israelites did evil in the Lord's sight. Lord, help us. They forgot about the Lord their God, and they served the images of Baal and the Esteroth poles. Then the Lord burned with anger against the Israelites, and he turned them over to King Kushan Rishadath and Aram Nahamam. Now, the problem with those kings is they were mad because they were named wrong. <laughs> the Israelites served Kushan Hirashnam for eight years. But when the people of Israel cried out to the Lord for help, the Lord raised up a rescuer to save them. His name was Othnail, the son of Caleb's younger brother, Kenaz. The Spirit of the Lord came upon him, and he became Israel's judge. He went to war against King Kushan Rathaman and of Aram, and the Lord gave Othnail victory over them. So the peace of the land was for 40 years. And Othniel, the son of Kenaz, died. Now remember, every time the judge dies, folks go crazy. <laughs> they go right back to what they were doing, and this is what happens. Verse 12, once again, the Israelites did evil in the Lord's sight. And the Lord gave King Eglon of Moab control over Israel because of their, uh, because of their evil. Eglon enlisted the Amorites and the Malachites as allies, and then he went out and defeated Israel, taking possession of Jericho, the city of Palms. And the Israelites served Eglon of Moab for 18 years. But when the people of Israel cried out to the Lord for help, the Lord again raised up a rescuer to save them. His name was Ehud, son of Gerar, uh, Gerah, and he was a left-handed man from the tribe of Benjamin. Pause. Shout out to all my left-handed brothers and sisters. I am left-handed. God just made a few perfect people. The rest of them he made right-handed. I'm just throwing it out there. But he, this guy was a left-handed man of the tribe of Benjamin. Here we go. The Israelites sent Ehud to deliver their tribute money to King Eglon of Moab. So Ehud made a double-edged dagger that was about a foot long, and he strapped it to his right thigh, keeping it hidden under his clothing. And he brought the tribute money to Eglon, who was very fat. Okay, <laughs> look, 
the Bible's just reporting the way it was. Now, pause for a moment and give an idea of what's going on. So, during that time, as is now, most people were right-handed. And just like now, many times, if you are left-handed, you are taught to do things right-handed because it just makes your life easier. When I was a kid, I was people tried to teach me to do everything right-handed just because it makes life easier because most things are set up for right-handed people. Same as then. So the reason why they tell you that he had strapped the dagger to his right side is because that's where you would go as a left-handed person to pull that dagger out. Now, when you would go to stand before a king, you always have to stand before a king unarmed. Now, what they would do is, is they would check your left hip, left waist, left side, because that's where you're going to put your, your, your weapons. They don't ever check the right-hand side because 99% of everybody is right-handed. And so that's why it says he did that, because he would have been able to take a knife straight into the palace you know, um, inner courtroom without anybody knowing because... They never check there. So that's the idea is he hid that or nobody would know. And it just so happened that that's exactly the kind of person he needed to be so that he could do this. Now, apparently Eglon was a big man. So here we go. He was fat. Verse 18, after delivering the payment, Ehud started home with those who had helped carry the tribute. But when Ehud reached the stone idols near Gilgal, he turned back and he came to Eglon and said, I have a secret message for you. So the king commanded his servants, be quiet. And he sent all of them out of the room. Ehud walked over to Eglon, who was sitting alone in the cool upstairs room. And he said, I have a message from God for you. As King Eglon rose to his seat, here we go. Ehud reached with his left hand, pulled out the dagger strapped to his right thigh and plunged it into the king's belly. The dagger went in so deep that the handle disappeared beneath the king's fat. So Ehud did not pull out the dagger. The king's bowels emptied. Other words, he used the bathroom all over himself. Then Ehud closed and locked the doors of the room and escaped down the latrine. So if you don't know what a latrine is, what would have happened is, is that means that likely they went to the inner room where the king was, and that would have been where he would have also relieved himself And then he jumped out the bathroom window to get out of there. All right, verse 26. So gross. While the servants were waiting, Ehud escaped, passing the stone idols on his way to Sarah. When he arrived in the hill country of Ephraim, Ehud sounded the alarm. Oh, wait. Go back to verse 24. After Ehud was gone, the king's servant returned and found the doors to the upstairs room locked. They thought he might be using the latrine in in his room. So they waited. In other words, they thought the king is using the bathroom. And I wonder if they were like, you know, we smell something. Because remember, his bowels had empty. That's so gross. So let's just wait a little while. But when the king didn't come out for a long delay, they became concerned and got a key. And when they opened the doors, they found their master dead on the floor. Praise the Lord. All right, now verse 26. While the servants were waiting, Ehud escaped, passing the stone idols on his way to Sarah. When he arrived in the hill country of Ephraim, Ehud sounded a call to arms. When he led a band, then he led the band of Israelites down from the hills. Follow me, he said, for the Lord has given you victory over Moab, your enemy. And they followed him. And the Israelites took control of the shallow crossing of the Jordan River, crossed from Moab, and prevented anyone from crossing. They attacked the Moabites and killed about 10,000 of their strongest and most able-bodied warriors. 
Not one of them escaped. So Moab was conquered by Israel that day, and there was peace in the land for 80 years. After Ehud, Shamgar of Anath rescued Israel. He once killed 600 Philistines with an ox goat. Ox goat is just a bone from the ox. And so, wow. <laughs> this, I mean, they, they just say that about Shamgar, by the way. By the way, Joker killed 600 dudes one time with a bone. <laughs> That's how awesome he was. But let's talk about the left-handed ninja for our application point today. Is it not amazing that God has a way of raising up the right person for the right time to do what's needed to move God's plan forward? Think about the things that uh, Ehud had to do. Um, Ehud had to be left-handed. Ehud had to have the courage because if they discovered that dagger, he'd have been killed on the spot. So he had to be left-handed. He had to have courage. He had to be willing to do the hard thing, which was confront this horrible king, and then be willing to rally the people and go and fight those battles. That took a very special person to do that. But God has a way of raising up the right person at the right time to do exactly what he needs to do. Do you know I think that's still in effect today? When I think about the United States of America, there's so many different political leaders jockeying for position as we're getting ready to get into an election cycle and all of this. But I truly believe that if God's people pray, God has a way of raising up the right leader at the right time. Even if it's not the person you vote for, God can still do what he needs to do. I think about that on the, a, a, a level like in the church. God has the right way to raise up the right leader for the right season. And I think about that in our own life. God has the ability to give us the gifts, talents, abilities, opportunities, experiences to do exactly what he needs us to do in the right time. So here's the thing. When we read stories like this, we, this should, first of all, gross us out. But second of all, it should also give us confidence to realize that when God wants something done, it's going to get done. So when God's ready to take you to the next level and to do what he needs to do in your life, he's going to do it. And so we have this confidence to realize that if God needs a left-handed man who's not afraid and is willing to jump out a bathroom window and is willing to rally these troops and all that stuff, he's going to find one. And when God needs, I'm talking about a boss, to take a bone from a cow and kill 600 fools, he can do it. And if God can do all of that, then nothing I'm going to go through today is outside his ability to do something with. And that gives me encouragement, and I hope it does you too. Let's pray together as we try to find a way to make sense out of this crazy chapter. God, thank you for the New Testament. <laughs> thank you, God, to live in the, the time of grace. But God, at the same time, I am thankful for the book of Judges because there's some amazing stories that remind us that you're able to do amazing things and that you never leave us. And that, God, it's a reminder to us that all of this happened in a season when people went their own way. So it reminds us to do life your way. And you always lead us in the right direction. Thank you, God, for calling us to live in this time and in this season. And maybe you're calling us to rise up ourselves and to be, Lord, your instrument to the world around us. We're thankful for you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Don't forget, God's word says in Judges 16, verse or 7, verse 16, and 17, verse 6. I'm still messed up. I'm still messed up the Ehud. Anyway, in those days, Israel had no king. All the people did whatever seemed right in their own eyes. The lesson is, don't do life your way. Do life God's way. 
that keeps you from getting stabbed in the gut. (laughs) I love you. I'll see you tomorrow for Judges chapter four. 